You're listening to Dyson Slice, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dyson Slice. This is our fourth episode of our discussion series already. I am Brandon, and I have with me Ian and Chad. How are you guys doing today? Not too bad. Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Good. Welcome back, Ian. We missed you so much. So uh, much. Good to hear. It's not the same without you, Ian. <laughs> no, it's not. You got through without me. Huh? No, it's no. Just barely. I pitted Chad and Peter in a big trivia game, and it was epic. I murdered him. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, not quite. He caught up. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys ended up tying. And then he got the extra point. <laughs> Yeah, I may have. I knew I the may answer, have bumped. but man, he jumped on it. He did. He did. <laughs> so, Peter, we miss you this week. He's got family stuff, so he's not here. Uh, but he will probably be back for the next episode. So, Peter, we miss you. Uh, so, today we are going to uh, catch Ian up on some of our sponsor fun that we had last week. We're going to talk about animal companions and how to build them, what are they, how to make them, yada, yada, yada. We're going to talk about... Paizo and the Wildfire. That sounds like a name of a book or something. Paizo and the Wildfire. That could be a new adventure module. Yeah, okay. I think that could be. Yeah. <laughs> it's making me think of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Dude. Breath of the Wild. Paizo and the Fire. Okay, I get it. Wildfire. Wildfire. Um, and then we're going to talk about throwing out some typical story tropes and doing things a little bit differently than normal. So let's get into it. First off, uh, I want Ian to catch up on some of the fun we had last week. So, once again, we have uh, an amazing sponsor named Forged Dice. And they were kind enough to give us some uh, dice and some other products we'll get into. So, I just handed Ian a fancy case of dice. And I'm watching him open it. This is First of all, look at that. Look at at those stickers. Look at those stickers. Oh, yeah. Chad spent most (laughs) of the time looking at the stickers last time (laughs) as Peter and I opened it up. I think uh, we were done rolling. They are nice stickers. Very good stickers. And so he is getting into... Oh, I need to give him the box so he can roll his dice, too. So they sent us a nice uh, dice rolling tray as well. It's a nice tin that they all come in as well. A very nice tin. You can actually roll the dice in the top of the tin too. Yeah, opening it can be a little challenging. There we go. Oh, and there's another sticker. More another stickers sticker. in there? He got yes, bonus stickers. <laughs> he got the deluxe package. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> okay, he's pulling out. So what what uh color did you get? Is that the dragon gold? I believe it yeah, guardian blue and guardian gold. gold. So. Okay. I think yours look legit. They look awesome. It was a slightly different style to the ones that you guys went with, but yeah. They look great. Yeah. Very, very nice. Look at that blue in there. That's a rich blue. It is. And so we all did a roll here, and oh, and he got, is that a nat 20? It was. A nat 20 on your first roll. That's it. Retire those dice. Okay. You and me were amazing. The rest of the group's going to die. Didn't you do the same thing last week? Yeah. So Chad rolled the nat 20. Oh, man. That's the kind of dice you want. (laughs) (laughs) You just feel the... Oh, Oh, then he broke it. Then then he rolled a four. So never mind. Should have stuck with that. Well, you got the low one out. So now you're you're good. So it comes with all of them. I think you have the percentile dice, the four all the way up to the... 
to the 20. So yeah, I think he got uh, four D6s as well. So I, I think that roll, those rolls are actually a good show of how balanced these are, actually. Yeah, I mean, on one end and then roll, the other. And then a pretty low roll right That's there. Right. <laughs> pretty quick. So, so once again, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Forge Dice. Yeah, Enjoy. Thank you very Forged much. Dice, yeah. Enjoy. Okay. So this week, our core topic, it's gonna, it's kind of a weird one. Why in episode four are you talking about animal companions? And that's because I just built a ranger. And so it's fresh <laughs> in my mind. So we're gonna be doing a little one shot. I don't know if we're gonna end up. Can you here. tell us a little bit about your, your animal companion made for your ranger? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> His name is Growler. Aww. And he is a tiny little bear cub. So he's not a big growl. boy yet, no, but he's, no yeah, he's going to be awesome. Um, he's not grown up because when you get an animal companion, they actually start as a young companion. They can move to full grown and then they move to, I think it's called savage, like a savage companion. And Basically like a dire bear. Kind of like that. Yeah, they, they grow up, they get larger. Um, eventually, I think you can ride them, some of them too. So um, I believe what I read is that they just have to be one size larger than you. Yes. Yeah. In order to ride them. And that is awesome. <laughs> so I think when they get to full grown, I don't know if that's when they get large enough. The animal, yeah, I the think. bear actually starts small. So I'm, I'm, we're all medium humanoids. The bear is small. So I, I want to say that you probably can't ride the snake at any point. It, like, it depends. That would be cool. A large cobra, just like okay. a gigantic cobra. Yeah. I mean, that'd be really cool. I don't know if that's, but you work. probably can't ride it. Yeah. <laughs> you probably crush it. <laughs> that's probably true. So you, what I noticed though, when I was reading the, the section that talked about growing with the animal, um, they didn't say, like, how do you get them to be full-grown? How do you get them to be savage? So as I was making a ranger, I was looking through the feats, and there's actually a feat that says, if you have an animal companion, it is now full-grown. So that is how you get them. It seems like it's feat-based. I don't know if uh, every class that can get an animal companion has a feat that does that or not, uh, but that is something definitely the ranger has. And are there level restrictions on that, or can you almost do it? That was a level uh, five feat. Okay, yeah. So that kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're starting at level one, then, I mean, you've got a little bit of time there, and now that, that time progression your animal has grown up a bit. Yep. I mean... I don't know if that's necessarily a realistic time scale, depending on how quickly, you know, you guys level up. But. Right. Well, I think with second edition, they want the game to be more balanced as you level. I mean, they want people to hit 10th level, 15th level, even 20th. So I think you'll level faster, whereas in a lot of games, you might never even got to level 5. So I do think it comes alive at level 5, which I'll kind of get into. Um, but commanding an animal is an action that anybody can do. It's called command an animal. Mm -hmm. It's one action that lets you give them a command to do something. But if you have a minion, they have a minion trait, and that basically, this is the part that confused me, it basically completely overrides the command the animal skill. So you basically say, oh, this is a minion, now my command animal does something totally different than what it used to. Now what it does is it lets you give your animal one command that gives them two actions. So you basically sacrifice one action to give them two actions. So, which is probably okay because as a ranger, 
I'm probably not going to need to move and shoot all the time. So I could actually probably just stand there, pop off a shot, and then use Command Animal to send in my bear to have him start mauling or biting or, or doing something else. So that is kind of neat. Um, and then as you, you level up, uh, they actually, so by default, they don't do anything if you don't give them a command, which not sure how they I kind of just sit there. They'll sit the ground. Yeah. They'll be like, there. Oh, there's combat. I should just kind of sit there and dance. They'll you probably know? look <clears throat> intimidating or something like that. You know, but yeah. you know, they won't really act on They're it. totally waiting for your mm-hmm. command. Right. But at level five, for the ranger, if you use the hunt target action to mark a guy, they will by default attack that target. Hey. So that I love. Yeah. So basically, you don't have to use your action anymore to do that. They will automatically go for your hunted target. So that's a really big boon for so them. What you're saying is that Cassic should get an animal companion. Yeah. If you watch the conversion that, stream, get the animal companion. <laughs> it sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. So, so Kazik in our conversion stream, he's a ranger. He doesn't have an animal companion currently, but I think if he got one, it would be pretty awesome. Sounds Did pretty awesome. Did they even have like any perception or? Uh, reactions, just going back to the, the comment about that you don't do anything so even can I see or react? They, by default, will not react at all, but they do have skills. So I was trying to figure out, like, how do I keep track of this? I couldn't find anything from Paizo about, like, an animal companion sheet. I think people have made some in, like, Google Docs. Uh, I use just another character sheet. They do have stats. So, like, they have, by default, all young animal companions have, I think it was, like, a plus one strength, a plus one dex. And then you choose what animal you want, and that increases or decreases the stats more. So since I chose a bear, the strength went up, the con went up, and um, they get a new skill trait. So by default, I think they get like acrobatics, athletics, um, perception. And then since I chose a bear, he also got intimidation as a trained skill. And those will increase as your animal mm-hmm. turns Grows. into a full grow. Full grow. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, so in addition to the command the animal and, and all that stuff and the skills, there actually is another feature called the work together action. That is yeah, also... I read a little yeah, bit about that. Makes sound cool. Yeah. So it's, it's one action and you can basically tell your animal to work together. So it's almost kind of like command an animal. animal. Command an animal is kind of like a manual control. It's you saying, okay, I want you to move right there, and I want you to bite that guy. Whereas work together kind of sets them into an automatic mode. Well, they will engage whatever their work together function is. So, for example, my bear, his work together function is kind of cool. He will get into melee range, and then anytime I hit him with a strike, he will also claw them or bite them. So in theory, if I say, hey, work together, and then I use hunted shot, hit him twice, he could attack twice. Well, I'm trying to think. He uses a reaction to do that, so I'd have to look that up. But It'd Probably just be one. Probably just once, yeah. yeah. But uh, he would strike. So it kind of does the same thing. They move and they attack, but once they're in range there, the work together will will be interesting. And the other animals do 
different things. Like the bird will fly in and bleed them, and I'm sure the snake will probably like constrict them or mm-hmm. enfeeble them or something. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was, if it was constricting or if it was a poison sort of thing. See, that'd be cool too. Yeah. And I could think in the future they're going to probably have different books for new animal companions and new features that you could maybe instead of leveling up the leveling them into a savage companion you could level them up into something different and so forth so there's lots of different ways they can they can move with that so i, th- I was actually another ranger <laughs> i know yeah. uh, make another ranger man need to change everything now and just have Animal companions. This sounds great. All right, let's everybody, kill off my paladin. We're going <laughs> ranger. I've been the trying, badger man. Sounds absolutely awesome. The badger. Yeah, put a female and a honey badger. <laughs> the most badass animal ever. <laughs> the mighty yeah, ranger yeah. and his honey, honey badger. badger. <laughs> they, they fight lions and everything. Don't don't mess with a honey badger. That's oh, true, man. man. That's true. No, I'm terrified of the honey badger. <laughs> I might have to get rid of Growler and go <laughs> honey badger. Nah, I love Growler too much. So you're hanging in there, Growler. Get Droop as an animal companion. Oh, good old Droop as a goblin animal companion. Mm-hmm. That might be an additional book that they might have to be. If you want to slave a goblin into your <laughs> animal companion. That's we might have to play right? a lawful evil <laughs> campaign for that, yeah. So, speaking of lawful evil, uh, Tangent of the Week. <laughs> tangent of the Week. Kind of this week is, it's not so much a tangent, but it's an idea. And that is throwing out typical tropes. So, it's something that I did with you guys uh, with the Banshee. So, by default and normal campaign, you see a Banshee, you expect to get wailed and you expect to die. Uh, I did something a little bit different. I turned the Banshee into kind of an ally, a savior of a town. And I think doing stuff like that kind of helps change up D&D and Pathfinder in general and role-playing games, trying to make them uh, throw them upside down, make the good guys bad and the bad guys good. You actually kind of did that with Droop as well. I mean, Goblins are not usually thought of as good creatures. They kind of are now in Pathfinder. In second edition, but, yeah. Yeah. But they're not well, typically. Prior to that, yeah, no, eating babies, cutting dogs. Yeah, they're not usually. <laughs> yeah. good. Not he's done much good, having said that. <laughs> well, he's, he's helped us a bit. He's a rogue. I resent <laughs> that. I, Droop has really, really been. Well, no. Well, Droop, slapping. He's been awesome. Yeah, I think at this point, people have seen Droop um, maybe pee on Jim's shoulder yeah. and run and round and hide. So they probably agree with you at this That's point. That's affection, though. I mean. Jim liked it. I think he was all into it. He grew up on the streets. Yeah, that was a bit strange. <laughs> uh, but in going with this, what you're talking about, um, I've, I've been listening to a few podcasts on GMing, and one of the notes was actually that it's a very good idea to turn the tropes around because... They make for very interesting characters. Um, like, he actually talked about um, one of the characters made. There was this big red fire dragon coming down on these guys. And as the wings came in, swooping down on them, and suddenly said, Do you mind if I just, you know, maybe destroy you guys? <laughs> do, you, do you don't mind? And the group went, Uh, no, we wouldn't like that at all. And she went, Oh, Oh my bad, I'm so sorry, and just kind of turned around and started flying the other way. What the heck? Wait, come back! What's going on? A kind of friendly, nice baby dragon? No, it was a fully grown, fully grown dragon. Wow, 
Okay, but that proves the point. Mm-hmm. Very interesting character. Especially after you've played for a while, switching some things around can really help uh, mm-hmm. make things fun, I think. So uh, so getting into praising Paizo. Yo, it's time to get you praising. I think a lot of people underestimate what Paizo does for the community just because they don't always advertise it. And something that we saw posted online lately we thought was pretty neat we wanted to bring that to the attention of other people and that was how they helped a fan uh, who had lost pretty much everything in the california wildfires that had happened so uh, we feel for you as well and, and paizo did and one of his friends posted to paizo that uh, their buddy who had collected all their Paizo merchandise over the years had lost everything, and Paizo sent them pretty much a large gift basket containing all the new uh, Pathfinder modules and the P- Pathfinder 2nd Edition books and adventure and so forth. And they did all that without even really telling anybody. It was only because the guy thanked them publicly and posted that. Did they, um, did they even, anybody even know? That's awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Really nice of <sighs> So I, things like that is what really makes and breaks the company. And then other people, when they responded to what they had done, they pointed out other things that Paizo done that you don't see from other people. Uh, they even said at the Paizo cons and the Gen cons in the previous years that they even got special floor mats that were better for your back to stand on. So people that waited in lines had something comfortable to stand in. So, like that, have you ever seen a company I've never do that? Seen someone do that. <laughs> Even Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, they're like, yeah. My feet hurt like crazy at Disney World. Yeah, so. get in line, right? They don't, they don't care. So, not just kidding, Disney, if you want to be a sponsor. Disney World cares, <laughs> but they've never thought that far. That's right. pretty interesting. And other people had said that uh, uh, even the uh, water damage from hurricanes, they've alerted Paizo and they've sent no questions asked replacements. Um, uh, even things if people say, hey, my order never arrived. There hasn't even been investigations or whatever. They just sent it out. So people don't abuse that, but know that Paizo is a company that actually seems to care and have the players back. So uh, I wanted to That's shout right. out for them. So good job. Yay, Paizo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So fan questions of the week. Fan questions. So this one was received from a fan named you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot about it. Okay, from a guy named you underscore picked underscore my underscore name, and his question was: He wants to hear our opinion on the character creation process. In the playtest, and if it actually has enough meaningful choices to create characters and unique characters while maintaining balance. So that's kind of a weighted question, and it's kind of a big question. And I like to first say that character creation, we are going to have a separate discussion episode for it. It's a very large topic. Um, so my thoughts, we'll get in, we'll get to, we'll go around the table here, but my thought is. As somebody who's played a lot of D&D 5th edition and has now made a lot of characters in Pathfinder 2nd edition, I feel that the choices you get allow you to make a very unique character in 2nd edition. I feel that there's not a lot of um, 
cookie cutter choices currently. And I know there isn't very many options because they had a test book come out. But when the full book comes out, they're going to add even more options. There's going to be further expansion books that add more and more options. So I think the you're going to eventually have a plethora. I don't know if it's ever going to be to the extent that maybe you'd get in first edition of Pathfinder, but I don't think uh, character customization, especially in second edition right now, is lacking really in any way, especially compared to D&D. I go back and I make fifth edition characters and it's easy. But I, I, I kind of go, oh man, I mean, what do I get at my level versus what do I get to choose at my level is something I do enjoy with the second edition. What, what's your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I've, I've quite enjoyed the process of making these so far. So just the different type of feats you get. So you can choose your class feats and that's generally going to be most of your fighting abilities or whatever you choose to do with that, your support abilities. Right. But then there are the, the skill feats and the general feats and that helps to give that flavor to the character you want. You can start choosing, hey, am I going to be good at talking to the groups or whatever else you choose, you can start pushing them even more towards fighting if that's what you want to do based on your character lines. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it doesn't seem detrimental pick like some sound quite good and I don't fully understand all of them yet but from what I've seen you can almost start customizing your character with those without compromising your ability to do anything so I think it will allow people to make unique characters and make those selections to to back it up so yeah it's it's been been interesting so far I agree. And that was a good point about like the skill feats and the general feats, because those are something you don't have to choose. Am I going to lose an ability or power in combat? Those are totally separate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're based off how you built your guys' skills. So if you have really good deception skills, that allows you access to new deception feats that further customize your people, not even combat related. Yeah. So I do think that's that's an interesting Mm -hmm. thought there. Um, I personally don't have much experience, uh, with anything but Pathfinder, now 2E, and, uh, D&D 5E. So, I don't mean to bash on D&D at all. They are wonderful. But, uh, if I'm thinking about it, you know, when I made a character in D&D, uh, once you get to, I think, around level 3 and you pick your subclass... Pretty much everything that you choose from then on out is not really a choice. It's, hey, you get this at this level. You get this at this level. You get to choose maybe your spells uh, and, I think, a few feats. If fe- I mean, and feats are even yeah. optional, right? Yeah, so if your you GM allows... Stats. Exactly. Yep. Um, whereas here in Pathfinder, uh, you get to choose from a list of f- like four or five some odd feats every one of your class levels, and then you get different other <laughs> entirely different feats to choose from. I don't think I could, if unless I was absolutely trying to match someone else, that I could make a character exactly the same. Right. It's very interesting, and I love that. I Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great point, because, I mean, like in D&D, you're right. If I built a battle master fighter or a champion fighter and you built a champion fighter would probably be mostly the same depending on what weapon we're using which is just a different 
dice to roll, you know? Whereas here... different flavor. Right. So here, um, in Pathfinder, you could build a ranged fighter, or you could build a melee-based fighter, or a dual-wielder fighter, or a shield fighter. So there are a lot of choices that you get. uh, When I made a monk for our one-shot recently, uh, there were so many options for just simply a fighting style. And I even got multiple fighting styles for him where, like, one was kicking and doing these leg sweeps, and then the other was, like, stunning fist punches, and it was amazing. And I even had one where I could leap through the air, and then when I come down, smack somebody in the face with my foot. (laughs) And it was amazing. Yeah. And I couldn't find that kind of customization elsewhere. This was awesome. Yeah, Yeah. so I think uh, to answer that, that part of the question, I I think, yeah. I mean, I don't think um, while maintaining balance. Now, balance is something I think is going to constantly be in flux, and I think Paizo is pretty good at trying to rebalance or fix something if there is an imbalance somewhere um, with an errata or a new book or something. But I think as far as unique choices go, I think Pathfinder 2nd Edition still does that very well. He also went on furthermore with the question that said, do you feel that complexity has been sacrificed in order to help facilitate newer players. So my thought is their goal, their design goal, I think was to help reduce some complexity. Because if you take the second edition book and you go read the first edition book, the first edition is extremely complex. And that's because it's based off D&D 3.5, which was very complex. I think they did a good job of taking some of the things out and, and keeping a lot of the core things that make people unique and make combat unique and make it Pathfinder, but removing a lot of the uh, statistical things that you don't have to continuously track anymore. At least that that's my thought. I don't think it's 5e level of easy, but I, but I don't think it's as Pathfinder 1st Edition level as hard. So, Yeah, I think... Having only done the one game of D&D, or partway through the D&D game, and then we started this PF2 campaign, and um, I struggled to convert my cleric over. I think we started at level 3, but mm-hmm. we were at the time, and yeah. converting over to the new system, I struggled. Um, there's a lot to look at, but then, I think we've discussed this again before, but using an app where you can actually it starts filtering and it starts letting you know you need these prerequisites and um, once you select the skills it sort of helps you build that out because trying to flick through whilst the PDF and the book's good it was just <laughs> it is like, easier when it's pre-filtered I yeah for I you. couldn't keep that information in my head I wasn't smart <laughs> enough to plan out all the skills I wanted and what I needed to do and when you can just plug it into an app it really helped to generate that so we're so lucky we live in a time where there's apps that can just yes. help us right the older the older <laughs> listeners are probably going back in my day <laughs> yeah. we did it all by books and you guys are amazing yeah. i don't know how you better write it all out on paper well, yeah. guess what i'm still doing that <laughs> we still write it out on paper too so we're not we're not too cool but no i agree the app i think just like filtering the schools uh, the skills and, and the feats and stuff is yeah. is really helping i don't think you know it has has complexity been sacrificed? Maybe a little bit, but I think it's for the better. I don't think it's I don't think it's anything to um, worry too much about. At least my opinion, coming from five E 
Yeah. So. I haven't played Pathfinder 1 to know, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I haven't played Pathfinder 1, so I'm not entirely sure, but from what I've heard, my answer would be yes, complexity has been sacrificed for it. But at the same time, if it's helping to welcome more players into this and growing the community more and more, I think that that's actually a really good thing. So I don't know if so much sacrificed as, hey, we're welcoming all these people in. Come enjoy. Right. Easier to get people in, uh, still retain fun, tactical-based combat, I think is a win-win. Yeah. And if you really miss, you know, some of the more complex things from Pathfinder 1E, homebrew it. Exactly. Add the stuff back in. Go for it. Bring it in. Yeah. It's your game. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not playing Pathfinder Society, you can do whatever you want. Bingo. So. Okay. Well, uh, for the conclusion, so today's episode, we gave Ian his really fancy, cool-looking dice that I really like here, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. We might have to not yeah. trade, but yeah, we'll share. I'll get the 20s, you get the ones, and, yeah. and we'll share. That's how that works. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, we talked about animal companions, how to how, kind of how to build them, how they grow, how to command them, and so forth. Uh, we praised Paizo for their uh, Paizo in the wildfire how they helped the people out and all the cool stuff they did for them. So good job, Paizo. And then we answered uh, the question of the name that I'm not going to say again because it was a really long name uh, about character choices versus balance and losing complexity. So once again, call uh, contact us at DysonSlicePodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on Facebook at slash DysonSlicePodcast. You can contact us on Twitter at dysonslice one and coming soon by popular demand Instagram, uh, I'm going to finally succumb and uh, learn that Instagram thing that all these hip kids are doing nowadays. So we will we will be on there. So that we can tell soon. them to get off our lawn. Get off our, our digital lawn. lawn. <laughs> exactly. Uh, special thanks to Ben Sound for the royalty-free music. Special thanks to our sponsor, Forge Dice. Your stuff is amazing. Thanks to Paizo for making Pathfinder content. Thanks thanks to Wizards of the Coast for making D&D in the first place. And uh, special thanks to all the fans that continue to support us and, and growing this channel. Thanks to you that uh, we're doing this. So thank you guys very much. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you.